0: Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. My name is Daisy and welcome to Die Zeitung's first podcast. It is also my first podcast, so I'm excited to do this. We are the German English newspaper at William Mary and we cover German politics, culture, and history. You can visit our online publication at Die Zeitung, I actually just finished online study abroad at a German university, so I was taking classes to the University of Munster, but they were all online, so Every time I met my classmates, it was through the video platform, Zoom. And if you are currently a student like me, I'm sure you know that it can feel very easy to get distracted when you are in a Zoom class. I hope my professors don't hear this, but I'll often find myself texting my friends or checking my email during class. It's really a conscious effort to pay attention. I was in my Zoom class for my rhetoric class at the University of Münster, and we were supposed to give a political speech and one of my classmates was talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and racism in general. Like I said, it is so easy to get distracted during a Zoom class, so I was probably looking down at my phone for a second when I heard my classmates say the N-word, and I definitely snapped back into attention for a minute. I realized she was quoting some sort of movie or book, so it wasn't her personal quote, but in America, we would almost always censor the N-word when we are quoting something. We would not actually say the N-word, but we would use the euphemism, the N-word. As a German student and someone with friends in Germany, I want to acknowledge that I don't think all Germans would nonchalantly say the N-word. I think many people in Germany are aware of the connotations that this word has. However, I think that there are cultural differences in regards to the acceptance of the word, but I find this really interesting in Germany, a country with some of the strongest hate speech regulations in the world. In today's podcast, we are going to investigate some questions. Is the N-word more acceptable in Germany? If so, why? Especially since Germany has such strong hate speech regulations. What is going on with the status of the N-word in Germany right now? We're then going to hear from Elizabeth, she's an American who lived in Germany for a year, and she's going to talk about some of her experiences regarding hearing Germans use the N-word. So sit back, relax, we have a lot to talk about. In the United States, the n-word, its connotations, and use cannot be described simply. John McWhorter, a linguistics professor at Columbia, sums up the n-word as one of the richest, nastiest, and most complex ranges of meaning in the English language. But how did it get here? Hundreds of years ago, the word was used as a descriptor, a word to describe if someone was black. According to PBS, during the time of enslavement, people would use the n-word, or the word black, in front of an American name like John to distinguish the enslaved person from a local white person who might have the same name. Around the 17th century, some say later in the 1800s, the word evolved to end in er, and this is when we really start to see the derogatory meaning take root. The n-word then became strongly associated with the dehumanization of black people in the United States. Today, we hear the n-word used by some of the black community in artistic pieces, mainly by artists of color. PBS also calls the relationship of the n-word to the black community complex. The n-word can be used in a political, derogatory, or an affectionate manner. I've also heard the n-word in movies where they are portraying racists, like in the movie Black Klansmen. So, is it okay for non-black people to say the n-word? This leads us to our first duality of the n-word, reappropriating versus appropriating it. Elizabeth Pryor, professor at Smith College and descendant of Richard Pryor, states that the use of the n-word can be seen as a commentary on political injustices that the black community faces. This is the idea of the black community reappropriating the n-word or reclaiming the word and giving it a meaning that they decide on. Prior also looks at the duality of the word itself, the spelling of it, including how the er can signify violence and emanate power, but any of the word with an a can signify the word being used in a disruptive or an affectionate context. However, when a non-black person uses the n-word, it is considered derogatory, even if a non-black person does not mean to be derogatory. They're appropriating the word when they use it. Uzochipi Woko, a contributing writer at the Harvard Crimson, says that when a non-black person uses the n-word, it is stripped of its new meaning, and that the term risks regressing into the antebellum era definition of centuries ago. He compares a non-black person using the n-word with them wearing a dashiki, so the n-word cannot carry the same meaning for non-black people. Understanding that the n-word is derogatory is not a new thing, it's not a new trend under the rise of political correctness. For example, in the 19th century and 20th century, white people were aware of the derogatory use of this word because it was talked about. In Langston Hughes' The Big C, which was published in 1940, so a time when segregation was still around and it was more accepted for white people to say the n-word, Hughes stated, Use rightly or wrongly, ironically or seriously, of necessity for the sake of realism, or impishly for the sake of comedy, it doesn't matter. People of color do not like it in any book or play whatsoever, be the book or play ever so sympathetic in its treatment of the basic problems of the race. Even though the book or play is written by a person of color, they do not like it. The word, the inward you see, sums up for us who are people of color all the bitter years of struggle and insult in America. There's another duality I want to explore in regards to the N word in the United States, and that is the idea of use versus censorship. Literature and the use, or censorship, and I put this word in quotations, which we'll get to next, of the n-word has been a hot topic for decades. There's the controversy of whether the n-word should be used in classical literature, like in Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. For example, Mark Twain scholar Alan Gribben removed the n-word, or people will say censored the n-word in Huckleberry Finn, and replaced it with the word slave. Is censorship the right word for this, though? Censorship can really freak people out because it is so synonymous with silencing. Boyce Watkins, academic, author, honestly, he wears a lot of titles, says that cutting the N-word from twain actually isn't censorship, or the censorship that tends to frighten people when they read about it in history books. Taking out the N-word is not preventing the liberation of ideas, it is not burning books or blocking websites. Removing the N-word is more of a form of filtering, according to Watkins, and this filtering ultimately does not degrade freedom, but promotes it. Watkins writes, One freedom deserves another. So the freedom of the artist to express himself, herself in an offensive way should be supplemented by our right to reject that form of expression within the confines of a public school. By creating an alternative version of this brilliant text, Gerben has opened the door for millions of children to experience the beauty of this book without the much celebrated racial degradation. Freedom ultimately means having options. Some other cases of the N word being filtered are in the media. For example, newspapers, papers, and magazines will often censor the word with asterisks or use the euphemism that I've been using, the n-word. But what are the implications in the United States if one does use the n-word as a white person? Let's look at some cases. For example, a sixth grade teacher in Chicago was fired for repeating the contents of a note being passed in class that had the n-word on it. This teacher then filed a wrongful dismissal lawsuit. There have also been protests, classes cancelled because of teachers using the n-word in lessons, Recently, a USC professor was under fire because he used a Chinese word that sounds like the n-word in the classroom. So we've really seen a response at universities and schools across the country. In regards to crime, the use of the n-word can be blurry. Sometimes, if a non-black person says the n-word when committing a crime, it is considered a hate crime. And sometimes it is not considered a hate crime. But in the U.S., it is generally legal to use the n-word. I think that the n-word is more limited in its use by the fact that it is not socially acceptable for non-black people to use it, rather than it not being legally acceptable to use it. I wanted to start by looking at the history and the context of the n-word in America because I think it provides a great flooring for what we're about to talk about, and that is the use and the history of the n-word in Europe and in Germany. So many people in European countries also understand that the n-word is derogatory, but It might be seen as more socially acceptable because the country might have a smaller black community, for example, and a different history with the enslavement of African people and segregation. Germany does have a history of racism and dehumanizing black people, just like the United States does. Of course, there was racism during the Holocaust, including against black people, but less people know about Germany's genocide in Africa, the Herero and Namaqua genocide in what is now Namibia. The survivors of this genocide in Africa were also pushed into concentration camps. Clarence Lusson, a professor at American University, notes that this continuation of genocide in Africa happened decades later in Europe. Namely, the genocide in Africa can be seen as an experiment of what would later be used during the Holocaust. And in Germany, actually only quite recently the country recognized that this was a genocide. We also see Germany's use of human zoos during the colonial period. So like America's history with slavery, Germany does carry this historical weight of dehumanizing the black community. While in the United States, the civil rights movement was really started around the 50s and arguably spans to today, the Afro-German movement started decades later. The Afro-German community, although quite small, has existed in Germany for quite a while, but it was around the 1980s and 90s when we started to see a growth of the movement for Afro-German recognition with, for example, Farber Buchanan being published in 1986. This was a groundbreaking book of Afro-German women talking about their experiences. We also see the creation of organizations like the Initiative Schwarze Deutsche, Initiative of Black Germans or ISD, which was founded in 1986 as well. Germany also somewhat formally recognizes the N word as derogatory, probably due to the growth of the Afro-German movement. In 1996, the German dictionary classified the N word as pejorative and four years later as discriminatory. The entry for the N-word in the Duden dictionary now suggests alternative terms like Afro-German. To hear Della, who works for the Initiative Schwarze Menschen in Deutschland, supports Duden's note and rejects other terms like black African, dark-skinned, and colored, because he finds these terms to be foreign identifiers. Something that I think is important to talk about, and this is actually a big component of my honors thesis I'm working on this year because I find it so interesting and unique to Germany, is Hate speech regulations in Germany. I think that this is especially interesting for Americans to look at, because the United States is one of the countries where there are the least hate speech regulations in the world, while Germany takes a much different approach. For example, in Germany, it is illegal to do a Nazi salute, while in the United States you could do this. And these hate speech regulations apply to anyone in Germany, not just Germans. In America, you can of course not say whatever you want, but in the United States, we can say things and tote symbols that could get us jail time in Germany. So, despite these more restrictive laws regarding hate speech, why is it legal to use the N-word in Germany? Nikolaus Klammer, a state leader for the AfD, or the Alternative for Deutschland, Alternative for Germany, this is Germany's far-right party, according to an article from Die Deutsche Welle, Klammer used the N-word several times during a debate in 2018. He stated that he did not want to be told what is or is not offensive. Kama actually defended himself in court and he won his case. The N-word seems to be an interesting special case in Germany under the domain of hate speech. In 2019, the state constitutional court of Mecklenburg-Western Pomerania, that is a mouthful, acknowledged that the N-word is usually derogatory. However, they ruled that whether the N-word is derogatory depends on the context that it is used and so Kama was not convicted. Activist Charlotte Nizamoro responded by starting a petition on change.org, calling for the legal recognition of the N-word as racist. This petition currently has about 155,000 signatures. Something that is interesting and important for this episode is that Della states that the use of the N-word is not just coming from those on the far right in Germany, Afro-Germans in Germany are sharing their experiences with racism in Germany with the hashtag MeToo, MeToo being TWO, and it seems that the overall consensus is that it is not just, you know, Nazi skinheads using the N-word in a racist way. It is also people on the other side of the political spectrum. Just like in the US, we're seeing Germans from different parts of the political spectrum having racist tendencies. Thank you for sticking with me so far, so now someone from our team is going to share her stories from when she was learning living in Germany and heard the n-word being used. Hi everyone we are here with Elizabeth. I know Elizabeth from one of my college classes. They spent 11 months studying abroad in Germany and they have some stories pertaining to the topic we're talking about today. So Elizabeth do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hi yeah I'm
0: Elizabeth.
1: Um, I got to know Daisy in um, one of my German classes um, here at the college and Yeah, I did a study abroad program in Germany for 11 months, um, and it was a full immersion program where I lived with a host family, and I went to a gymnasium um, for the whole time. So I got integrated into my community, and I did have some experiences um, with Germans saying the N-word and sort of the culture around it.
0: Yeah, so a big part of my podcast is I'm talking about the differences between Germany and America when it comes to the n-word. For example, the n-word seems to have a lot more history in America. Um, The Black Lives Matter movement and the movement for racial justice have already made some changes regarding the n-word, but it's a really complex relationship. Um, For example, sometimes the n-word can be used as an affectionate word from the black community, um, but we know when white people are using it, it's, it's a derogatory term. So how do you think the history um, with the N-word is in Germany? How do you think it's different?
1: Um, so I can't speak to the broad history of it, but I can speak to sort of the personal history that my host parents expressed to me about it. Mm-hmm. So my host parents were 60 and 63 years old when I was over there and I didn't live with any other kids in the house, um, and when I asked them once to not say the n-word because they had said it a couple times, they why were they saying it? It would come up in this one particular conversation always about this German candy. Um, it's like these marshmallows covered in chocolate, mm-hmm. and they're called shokokusa now, Um, chocolate kisses but their name used to be n-word kisses Mm. and every time they would buy this snack they thought it was like a fun fact to bring up and they would say the word and so um and then sometimes that would lead to a conversation about oh everybody's so pc now and they think it's weird to say and then they would say it Mm -hmm. um my host mom was really into like edgy humor where, like, the butt of the joke was often people, um, and so, yeah, but I asked them if they wouldn't say it around me, um, if they wouldn't say it in general, and, uh, basically the explanation that they gave me for why they said it was that that just used to be the word for Black people in Germany, and they weren't willing to put in the effort to change what they called Black people because it was too ingrained in their brains and it just was what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a similar experience with them for a homophobic slur as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it was sort of born out of this place of, that's what we used to call these people and I'm not gonna
0: stop. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the experience with your host grandma? Yes. Um,
1: so my host grandma, um, so we had a sort of interesting living situation where we lived in a house, but the house was divided into two apartments. And so the grandma lived on the first apartment on the first floor and we lived above her. So we saw her around sometimes, but not too often. Um, and so one day I don't remember how it came up. Um, my host mom was telling me how, uh, grandma really didn't want them to accept an exchange student into their house. Um, but that, you know, it wasn't Oma's really place to say that because it wasn't even her apartment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but my host grandma's basically perception of Americans was African Americans that she had seen on the news. And so apparently my Oma, who had some anger issues that I experienced a few times, Um, screamed at my host mom um, that she didn't want, like, a stupid, violent, gang member, N-word American um, living above her. Um, So she really associated Americans with African Americans and then African Americans with crime and violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were only able to, like, sort of calm Oma down about the fact that they were accepting an American exchange student when they showed her pictures of (laughs) me uh, like the whitest person that you could see
0: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah something I'm trying to make clear is that we don't want to say all Germans are using the n-word that they're using it using it casually but I definitely think there are some cultural differences here also in regards to demographics um, I lived in a city in Germany and you would think usually a city would be more diverse but all the time I felt like I was mostly just around white people and white Germans, um, whereas in the United States, of course, there are pockets of the United States where everybody is white or most of the town is white, but where I live, it's a lot more diverse, people from many countries, many people of color, um, and also living in the Caribbean. So it's also very wild for me to think that when people are in Germany, it, I feel like it could be easier for people to not challenge the use of the N-word because they're, it's mostly just white people around sometimes so. (laughs) Yeah, I totally
1: understand that. Um, What was sort of like strange about the area I was living in um, was that it was actually very diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. I lived in a smaller town outside of a bigger city in Mm -hmm. West Germany, but it's in an area called the Ruhrgebiet or the Ruhrpott, which used to be a coal mining district, and so it's a little bit lower income now Um, than it used to be in one of the lower income areas in Germany and there was in our town there was a huge um, Turkish population huge uh, first generation or second generation immigrant population Mm. Um, and so often I think the reason why I sort of found out about my host mother's um, prejudices was because when we'd be driving together she would see people of color and she would make little remarks um, but I do want to emphasize that that's not at all, um, like everyone in Germany. Um, I think I just lived with a family that was slightly older. Um, I think there was some resentment there from the way the community had diversified over the decades that they had lived there. They had lived in the same place, since um, Oma was a child. Um, their house was built on, land where their old family farm used to be, um, and it was a city, but at the same time, it was quite a rural city, yeah, um, where houses were sort of out in the fields, um, and then when you got closer into town, there were some apartment complexes and the shopping center and everything,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely, like, I made a lot of, like, younger friends who, um, were activism-oriented and didn't um, express the values and beliefs that my host family did at all. So I, it's a very um, person-to-person basis, and especially family-to-family, because oftentimes prejudices are passed down, and with the way uh, Oma was, I, I'm not super surprised that her daughter expressed similar beliefs.
0: Yeah, so that's also a I wanted to ask you about. Um, can you tell me about whether their daughter said the n-word, um, how did she act when they were using these slurs?
1: Yeah, so my host family, um, they had, or they have <laughs> a daughter, um, but she's in her thirties. So she lived about two hours away from us. She didn't live in the house when I was staying there. Um, and she was super sweet and very liberal. Like she might've, she might've not perceived herself to be, super liberal, because I think also the way liberalism is perceived in Germany is different than in America, but from an American perspective, I would certainly, um, qualify her as liberal, and she didn't say the n-word, um, she actually had a conversation with us about it once, I don't remember how it came up, um, but it might have been those Shokokusa stories again, mm-hmm. it happened multiple times, um, but she basically had like a conversation with me about like sort of the progression in Germany of how the use of the word has changed and she said that people used to say that oh the word you should say instead of the n-word should be um far bigger. but then that sort of became um it was seemed as similar to the word colored which also has problematic connotations mm-hmm. so then the dialogue sort of shifted and um, so now I think one of the more accepted terms, at least according to my host sister, is dunkelhoitige, which means dark-skinned, literally, but it's sort of just used to um, mean people of color. So that's the word that she always used. However, during this whole conversation, I think my host parents um, said the N-word multiple times, and she also didn't, like, call them out on it. Um, so it's sort of this weird thing where, like, She knows that it's a wrong thing to say, and so she doesn't say it. Um, And who knows if she's had conversations with them in the past or not. Um, But she didn't try to stop them from saying it.
0: Do you happen to know the political beliefs of your host parents?
1: Um, Sort of. Uh, So my host sister, I think, liked the CDU. Um... I'm not 100% sure on that, but I know that my host mom votes green, um, but I think she votes green not because of liberal immigration views or anything. She is very passionate about animal rights activism, and also um, she believes in climate change, and she's also pretty anti-establishment, like she really did not like Merkel at all. She talked a lot about how much she didn't like Merkel. Um, so I think if, like, she made a joke once about, I should just vote off day. So I think, like, no matter what, she was going to vote for an extremist side. And because she was, believed in climate change, believes in climate change, and um, animal rights, Green fit more with her extremist, anti-CDU, anti- SPD, um feelings, because also the region we were in is, like, super historically Day. Um, Interesting. Because it's the coal mining district, and so that's, like, the laborer party, mm-hmm. um, but I think over the last few decades, they've become really disenfranchised with the pay because of, like, them not achieving the goals that they've always promised to achieve, and, like, I don't know, she talked about corruption. I don't know the history behind that, but um, so I think she voted green in uh, the last election or the election that happened while I was there.
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing that definitely on an international scale too. People are anti-establishment, but they're anti-establishment on the left or right. So um, moving in that direction. But the reason I asked is because I feel like in the United States, Usually, if you're maybe even your initial intention isn't to use it as a derogatory term, but you're more you care less about being um, politically correct. And usually we're going to see that with people more on the right, um, people usually on the left or the Democrats are not they're gonna wanna be more politically correct. So I was wondering if there was an association with your host parents and their political party. But I think what's also interesting about Germany is that even people on the center or on the left will use the N-word um, because it is more culturally accepted. So that's what I was wondering.
1: I think that just shows how different the political parties function in Germany than in America because since they have so many more, you can combine your beliefs in a lot different ways than you can in America. So, for example, here, if um, you're a single issue voter, say, for, um, say, you're pro life and you're anti abortion, and you're a single issue voter, that kind of forces you to vote for the Republican Party, say, even if you are pro LGBTQ rights. Um, and so there's less of that single issue voting problem, I think in Germany because there's so many more parties with different combinations of beliefs um, that we know can exist in America, but we often don't associate together because we have a two-party system. Um, And I think that sort of influences the way um, people interact and think about liberalism versus conservatism um, in Germany. Like, for example, my, I asked, I think, my host sister once if she considered herself liberal, and she said she considered herself conservative, Um, but from an American perspective, what, she was incredibly liberal, like, fighting for climate justice and women's rights, and she was pro-LGBT, so So I think she described herself as conservative because she, I think, normally voted CDU, Mm. Um, and they are considered a slightly more conservative party, but I think Maybe that comes from sort of the, her perspective on taxes, is that where that label comes from? Um, but they definitely view those two words in very different ways than we do here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I always think it's so crazy that here Bernie Sanders is very left, um, but in Germany, he'd actually be more towards the center. So
1: <laughs> yeah, it's this nor- normalization of um, socialism or socialist uh, health care policies.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, another story that you mentioned to me was at your gymnasium, which is high school. Germany divides their high school into three different, I, would you call them levels? Levels sounds weird to me. They're
1: not quite levels. I would say they're different paths.
0: Yeah, okay, that's a, I, I agree. That's a really good way to put it.
1: Yeah, um, So I had a teacher who, I will preface this saying, I actually, he was my favorite teacher of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, He taught uh, German, in German, and um, philosophy. Um, All teachers in gymnasiums are required to teach two subjects, at least in the region where I was living.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And he often brought a lot of his philosophy ideas into our German class. so he was very fascinated by the fact that I was an American, and yeah, and he loved to have little debates with me about like sort of cultural differences or philosophical differences or perspectives on language. I mean, it was a German class in the way we learn uh, AP literature here or AP English here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically an AP German class in german in Germany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, we were talking a lot about language, Um, and one of our class periods one day, um, the N-word came up, and… Do you remember why it came up? (laughs) uh, Probably because of, like, honestly, maybe he just said it, and then I was like, that's a really (laughs) bad thing to say, and I called him out on it or something but maybe it might have also just been something that was in the news. He liked to talk to me about politics a lot. He was talking to me about um, the presidency the whole year, and I had to stay so up-to-date on American politics because he always brought something up in class, and I had to then explain it or explain my perspective on it or something. Mm -hmm. So it could have also been because of something in the news. Um, But basically, it came up how... Americans refuse to say the word itself. And well, some Americans obviously do say it, but, um, and, but we say N word. Um, and the whole time he was comparing like saying it versus saying the N word or das N wort, um, he was saying the word out loud in class <laughs> in front of all of our students
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: while having this debate. And so I was trying to explain to him my perspective that this word has a history of hurting people terribly. And so it is not our place to say it and to add to this culture of not caring about um, the pain that people of color have experienced due to this language. And so if I in any way can detract or not add, um, to that pain, then I'm going to do it and I'm not going to say the word. Right, especially Um, as a white
0: person, too. Especially as a white
1: person, yeah. Um, and so he was talking about how no word should be given so much power that it cannot or should not even be said or referred to by what it is, and he was taking a philosophical perspective of it's just a word, yes, all words have power, but no word should have so much power that it can't be spoken out loud. Um, Which I disagree with. I think, well, I agree that all words have power, but I disagree with the way that he thought we should interact with that power, I guess. Mm. Um, And yeah, so it was a debate about whether or not to use the word or not. He wasn't calling anyone it or anything. Um... He was also in his 60s and white, so it might come from that sort of same generational difference. Um, but I think it also came from his philosophical perspective. And he was also kind of just um, like a devil's advocate. <laughs> he he right. loved arguing um, or debating things. And I think sometimes he debated from a perspective he didn't even hold himself. Because he just wanted to challenge his students to see see how we would respond. He did this with me so many times um, where he would just try to argue with me about anything and no matter what I said, then present another negative, like opposing opinion towards it. And then I would have to argue against that. Um, So he was, yeah, he was an interesting (laughs) teacher. Um, I did really like his lessons and the philosophical messages he often had behind it. I liked how much we talked about language, um, but I think we had fundamentally different perspectives on the use of derogatory language.
0: Well, what you've said about how he said no word should have that much power that you can't say it. That's another big point in my podcast too, is that Germany has some of the strictest hate speech law, hate speech sorry (laughs) hate speech laws in the world um but they can still use the n-word so one of the courts um one of the local state courts determined that this this day politician had his constitutional right to say the n-word but it depends on the context how you use the n-word um whereas here i think most of us see the n-word as inherently derogatory the courts determined in Germany that it depends on the context, whether or not you'll get in legal trouble for using the word. So it's interesting to me that there are so many other words you can't say in Germany. So other symbols you can't use, but the N word's okay. So I don't really understand his point about that, especially as a German, because like I said, there's so many words that they can't say because they're hate speech words.
1: Yeah. Um, It might've also come from his, his perspective as, You know, somebody, we were talking about German literature, we were reading a lot of German books, who knows, maybe the conversation came up because that word was in one of the books we were reading, Mm -hmm. but I know, like, at least from um, my perspective taking English classes in America, like, for example, if we read books that had it in it, um, my teachers usually said, you know, some teachers do say this when they're reading passages out loud, and I had a teacher who said, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I personally will not do that because, Mm -hmm. um, it conflicts with my beliefs and values. Um, so I think there is sort of like, it, there is this conversation about context, right? Like, is this question of, is it wrong to say if you are quoting a passage of something? Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue that it, is still wrong to say if you are a white person um and if you aren't giving it like the respect it deserves or the you aren't contextualizing it within the greater discussion of racism and race relations in whichever country you're in um but yeah it it is interesting to see how a country with such strict um hate speech laws with much more limitations on freedom of speech than in America um sort of allows this word to be a cultural norm in some areas mm-hmm. um, for some people um because obviously like not all areas in Germany and also not all generations and not all um demographics uh, view the word similarly
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, what actually um, inspired me to do this podcast was when I was doing one of my study abroad classes, and we were giving speeches, and this girl, she was reading, I I guess it was a book or maybe a movie. I wasn't paying attention because on Zoom classes, it's so easy to go on my phone, Um, so I was a little (laughs) distracted for a second, but then I heard her say the N-word, and I snapped back to attention and I was like, did this girl really just say the n-word? Like, did I hear it wrong? And I immediately texted one of my German friends and I was like, is it normal to say the n-word in Germany? Because I do have some stories about being in Germany, but I I just was so confused in that minute. Um, but yeah, my friend said, when you're quoting a passage, it is normal. And I know I have been raised to be politically correct in a lot of my friend circles. Um, We try to be really politically correct, but at the same time, I think most people in America, um, it's definitely not socially acceptable to say the N word, even when you're quoting something. So that was just a very surprising moment. I was like, I wanna investigate this more. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so you have another story from your school about one of your classmates.
1: Yeah, so um, I have like a few little, stories of personal experiences, and then also um, things that I heard from other people who were doing my same exchange program. Um, But basically, I had a a friend who we often had a lot of like political conversations together, and um, she was very left-leaning, as we would see in America. Um, And she was very activism-oriented, very also anti racist and especially towards Asians in um Germany and uh she was very passionate about um fighting discrimination against asian populations in Germany um and she one day while we were having this conversation about race was using the word and i was like why why do you think it's okay to say this um, and she just didn't really have an answer, um, because I guess from the culture that she had been surrounded by, it just was okay to say it, so even when she was having a conversation about anti-racism, um, she felt comfortable using the word, because I, I guess this conversation about you shouldn't say that isn't really as integrated into the conversation of racism or anti-racism, um, in Germany, at least in, our area that we were living in. Yeah,
0: um, so,
1: um, yeah, I mean, a friend of mine, while having, um, Abivoka, so, like, their final exam, they have, like, a week of, sort of, like, spirit week in high schools, where they wear costumes to school and everything, and have different themed days, Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine went to a school where there was a day that was, like, um, dress as your favorite sports player or like a celebrity you like and two kids came to school in full blackface to be basketball oh players and they were allowed to stay the whole day like this was this was not punished like people didn't really speak up against them and i heard similar stories from other schools where like it normally wasn't that many students it would be like a select few um but blackface was uh, a problem during like Abi Volker costume
0: days. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is very intense. The fact that they also came to school and so many people saw it. Um, Another thing is I, I don't feel comfortable saying it because it sounds very similar to the n-word, but I'm talking about the word D-I-G-G-A. It's used colloquially as like a replacement for dude in Germany. I heard it many times when I was in Germany. And most of the times when I heard it, I had to do a double take and make sure I wasn't hearing the N word. Um, So how often did you hear, I guess we can call it the D word. um, How often (laughs) did you hear that in Germany?
1: I heard it all the time. Um, So as far as I've heard of the history of the word, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you know more about this it comes from the word dicker, which it means fatter, and so it's kind of a word like fatty. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I've heard at least that it originated in like North Germany, and it was sort of like a sailor slang, um, and it kind of meant like fat man, um, and so that CK in some northern dialects, I guess, sometimes changes over time to, like, a G sound, um, and then also ER, as you know in Germany, is often pronounced a uh, like it's eh, it's mm-hmm. not, they have two R's, there's a soft R, and then there's one that's, like, sort of gurgled in your throat, and so one that comes after a vowel is, like, a eh sound, mm-hmm. so apparently this word sort of evolved from dicker becoming digger, becoming digga, which um, means fat man, and so like the origins of it aren't the n-word, <laughs> um, but it certainly sounds- It really weird.
0: sounds like it. Um, <laughs>
1: And yeah, so I did double takes all the time too, um, but it was very, very common in my uh, gymnasium to be said. Um, And most students I spoke to never equated it to the n-word at all. They didn't Mm -hmm. see it, like I brought it up once and one of my friends was so confused. Um, But then there are some students where I had some conversations with them, and it was normally sort of, like, fringe people that didn't talk to me that often, and they only talked to me because I was American, um, and they, like, asked me about, like, Riverdale and, like, (laughs) like, high school drama shows, and- that's
0: exactly what it's like here.
1: Yeah, and so they were, like, (laughs) um, and then they literally asked me how many people were African-American at your school at one point, and I was, like, huh, and they were, like, yeah, how many people were African-American? and I was like, uh, 40% of my high school, and they were so, their minds were blown, they thought I was so cool because of that, which was very strange, um, and then they were like, yeah, we have like three black people up at that school, and then they pointed them out, and I was like, what, um, and these students also, like, half of them were POC, they weren't white Germans, they were like, um, second or third generation Turkish, or some were, uh, had North African roots, Mm -hmm. and then some were white, but um, they were obsessed with this idea of blackness in American high schools, just because they didn't have that much contact with it, and so when these specific students said, I guess we could call it the D word in this (laughs) context, um, I definitely got slightly more of a suspicious or a bad vibe from it, because it seemed like maybe it was coming from a place of, like, sort of obsession with American high school, like, trying to be cool culture, Um, but most students that said it that I knew um, didn't equate it to that at all, Mm -hmm. and it was just sort of like a colloquial term to mean um, dude or bruh. I think it, like, kind of equivalates, like, is the most equivalent to the way we use bruh, because it was normally yeah. used in sort of, like, a frustrated tone, like, bruh, you cannot believe what he just said to me, and then I'd be mm. like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> Um, but, yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely it, shows the power of words, like, even if your intention's different, it can come off of something else,
1: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that was the context I was given for the word when I sort of questioned it. Um, and because it was so prevalent, I don't know. It's, it it was very strange to hear a lot, but eventually I sort of like got used to it and um, was able to ignore it. Um, but... Yeah, there's also not a ton of slang in German, or at least in the, I mean, I'm sure it varies from dialect to dialect and everything, but in the area we were, there wasn't a ton of slang, Um, so I think students sort of heavily used what slang there was.
0: Right, my favorite is Alda, like for dude. Oh
1: yeah, Alda. I don't know how to
0: spell it, I can't figure out how to spell the word. Is it A-L-D-A or A-L-T-E-R?
1: Oh, it's A L T E R. It means like old
0: person. Oh, oh I thought it was like a different word. I don't know. No, I'll even it would say it American actual,
1: <laughs> No,
2: it's <laughs> like <laughs> Alda.
1: Um yeah. <laughs> I sound like such a nerd saying it. Yeah. No, but um yeah, uh, los, al-da, that's like yeah. um like, like they awesome. because it's slang, they're not gonna like be like alter. <laughs> like alter. um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that. that's, that's the same thing where it's like like it, it gets really sort of morphed from mm-hmm. the way it's spelled, and if the D word really came from dicker, like fat person, um, I guess I can see that more because words like slang gets morphed so
0: much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it too, about spelling and pronunciation. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for talking with me today and sharing your stories about your year in Germany.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's. I think it's a really interesting and important conversation to have. Um, I do want to emphasize again that this is just some experiences I had with some individuals. Um, it was in no way reflective of like all of the people I met in the region I was in mm-hmm. and um, all of the people that live in that area. Um but I do think it's interesting to talk about how some of these things are sort of um, culturally ingrained and not questioned, Um, so even if some people don't say it themselves, they wouldn't necessarily question hearing it, Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with me um, and letting me share a few little anecdotes that I collected um, over there.
0: Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Die Zeitung's first podcast. We talked about a lot today, so kudos to you for sticking with me. I'm really interested in seeing what will happen regarding the N-word in Germany as more Afro-Germans and others speak out against its usage in German society. Will it continue to be allowed? Will the laws change? Will there be less social acceptability regarding the word? I think that we should watch this, especially during the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement on an international scale. Until next time, cheers.